my name is Michael Dixon. Uh, if you're a guest uh, with us, and I am one of the pastors here at Solid Rock Church. And um, <clears throat> I don't know whether, um, <laughs> I don't know how many basketball fans we have uh, with us, but um, it's been wild watching them play basketball without, uh, without, a, without a crowd, basically. Um, I mean, they're still balling, but, um, but it's, it's interesting to watch it in that manner without all of the cheering. Uh, that would go on. Speaking of basketball, I just, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, my college team is Georgetown. <laughs> Get this, when I was coming up, um, we I thought that Georgetown was a HBCU because the basketball team was all black and had a black head coach. <laughs> Little did I know <laughs> that I would grow up to find out that there's, I don't know what percentage uh, uh, African Americans make up, but that's just so, that's just a little uh, a crazy little uh, little insight about me. Um, but I'm glad to see that Georgetown currently has this. Is, I mean, if you don't mess with Georgetown, just indulge me for a little while. Currently has the 13th ranked recruiting class for 2021. Yes, so we on our way back. Like, okay, so it's a few, it's a couple Georgetown fans up in here. Yes, indeed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, so that's how I felt when I found when I found that out. So, um, so we're, we're we're on our way back. We're like uh, like the dudes from uh, Trading Places uh, when he said Mortimer, we're back. Uh, <laughs> well, um, one of the reasons I mentioned 2021 is yesterday I was I was looking to see when the next Madden was coming out. And uh, for some reason, I got very confused as to what year it is. This year has been so crazy that I feel like it's still 2019. I haven't signed many things and put, you know, 2020. Um, I haven't, you know, just been with the dates. The date doesn't even matter, except for it matters that it's August because Pastor Kurt is on some sabbatical. And it mattered when my children had their birthdays and I have another one having a birthday on tomorrow. So it matters then. But it's just like. The way that the year usually flows has been interrupted. And while, as Warren said, during this time, one of the things we can add to the two P's, the pandemic and, and the politics is prayer. Um, because this is a time where we can be praying. And this is also a time when we should be. We have time to adjust ourselves. We have time to, as was mentioned on last week, it was only mentioned once that I can remember, but we have time to recalibrate. We have time to reorient ourselves to what we should have been living for and living like the entire time. Because now all of the distractions, well, I don't know about you, but for me, distractions have been labeled as distractions. Seen for what they are. And remember when Pastor Kurt was talking about the matrix and he was talking about sin? We can do the same thing with distractions. Netflix. Twitter. Instagram. TikTok. Snap. I don't know what else is out there, but 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 there are distractions abound and they're not only those things. Sometimes distractions can be. Oh, I'm no, I'm gonna make somebody mad, but I'm not trying to, though. They can be family. Relationships with friends. It can be making money. It can even be education. These are things that come at believers and 
because we, we breathe the culture, we don't realize how affected we are. Unless something dramatic happens and 2020 has been dramatic. 2020 has been unlike any I've seen. I think I mentioned that before and I'll keep mentioning it because it is. So it provides an opportunity to evaluate where we stand, why we stand there, and how we stand there. So this month is all going to be about kingdom recalibration. Kingdom recalibration. So we're going to look at why is it, well, no, no, let me, let me just, just say this. I want you to think about this, and I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to call it out. I just want you to meditate on it. You can write it down. You can put it in your phone, whatever. But what words come to mind when you think of the church? I'm just talking about in general, the church as a, the church, as a thing, as an organization. The church. When you hear the word Christian, what images flood your mind? When, if you were to ask someone who is not a believer, what comes to mind when you hear the word Christian? What would they say? In the Weep With Me book study, which has already started, by the way, We asked the question, we were asked the question, what do you think comes, how do you think the world would describe the church? Or how, how do you think the word, the world, excuse me, would describe Christians? What words would they use to describe us? Now, this was asked of believers because everyone on the call, on the, on the Zoom, I knew. So they thought that we would be considered, a word would be irrelevant um, boy, I don't know if this word was used, but I'm just going to start saying words that were used that, that come to my mind. Judgmental. Um, um, oh, what's that word? Um, just surface level. Hypocritical was brought up so many times that it was very sad. Hypocritical was the main word that was used. Um, Contrast that with what Scripture says that Christians are, what believers are supposed to be. And if we contrast, they're not saying that we need to be judged by the world and the world is supposed to judge us because only God will judge us. Paul said, you know what, I don't even judge myself. He, he's leaving that in the hands of God. So I'm not saying like we live in a way so that we can have a good word usage when they think of what it means to be the church. I'm not talking about that. But I do think the words that will be used, especially a word like hypocritical, is very telling for the, the entity that is supposed to reflect the glory of God in all that it does. So we want to move through this message in this way. We're going to look at, and Pastor Kurt talked about this a little bit, um, we're going to look at our purpose. Why do we exist? That was one of the questions that I used to just sit around when I was a young boy. I was young, probably was too young to be thinking about that, but just like, man, why am I here? Like, what is my purpose? What am I 
here to do? What is this for? So we're going to look at our purpose. We're going to remind ourselves of our purpose. We're going to consider our product. Our product meaning like the fruit of what we're doing. I just had to get a P word. So, so it's not a product like it was another P word. So, so we're going to look at our purpose, the product, and then we want to develop a plan for recalibration or articulate a plan to begin to recalibrate. So our purpose, our product, our plan, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day which you've made. We um, just thank you for bringing us here safely. We thank you for the gathering of your people. And even if there are people here who are not uh, about you, we thank you for their presence as well. Lord, we ask you that they would encounter you. Um, Lord, I pray that something that is said would, would grab their attention and move them closer in their relationship with you. Lord, may today be the day of salvation for any who are not um, following and walking with you at this juncture of their lives, Lord. May they not leave or watch and leave the live stream the same, Lord. You are able to do that. I am unable to do that. Lord, so I do ask you that you would please, um, that you would please increase and please allow me to decrease. I pray that you would please um, use something foolish in this world to confound the wise. And Lord, I do also pray that, Lord, if there's anything that is said that, that is not in accord with your will by me, Lord, I pray that that would be forgotten by all of us. Um, Lord, and I pray instead, Lord, that those words that are from you, that they will be spirit and they will be life, Lord God, and that they will bring such to your people and even to those who are not uh, following you, Lord. For if you could cause the dry bones to live, Lord God, you can do anything. If you could save me, Lord God, you can do anything. So thank you. And we praise you and we thank you again in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So our purpose, why are we here? Young Michael, you're thinking about why are you here? You're wondering, why are you here? Why do I exist? What is this all for? So I'm going to run through a few passages because Pastor Kurt alluded to it. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this part, this portion. But here are a few uh, passages that tell us about what our purpose is. So first Corinthians eight verses uh, four through six at the end of verse four. Six uh, four, excuse me. It says there is no God. This is like the if you, if you know about the Shema in Deuteronomy. This is like the the, the New Testament Shema where, where it says, but there is there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords for people worship all kinds of things. Right. Uh, yet for us, for believers, there is one God, the father. All things are from him and what we exist for him. You want to know why you're here? It's because you exist for God. I remember asking a few uh, high schoolers like, hey, what do you think your purpose is? And I was surprised when they said that question brings a lot of anxiety on me. And I can imagine, again, the Matrix, they got all this stuff coming out. And we have so many choices. It's like going to a buffet. Yeah. It's like going to a buffet, which probably won't come be around ever again. But it's like going to, unless it's at your family's house, right? It's like going to a buffet and seeing all these options. And you got to, you know, your stomach is only so big. So you got to decide what you want. What's the best op menus, uh, options on that uh, right before you so that you can eat to your taste buds delight. Sometimes that can be a bit petrifying for some people. <gasps> it's too much here. I don't know what to get. We're the same way when it comes to why do we exist? 
Life could have been much simpler if, you just, if we just followed in the footsteps of our fathers like other people did in, in other cultures, right? If your father was a mechanic, you're going to be a mechanic. If your dad was a doctor, you're going to be a doctor. You know, you just followed in those steps. You didn't have to think about it. You didn't have to consider anything. You didn't have to prepare in any way. You just like went with the flow. But with all these options and all this freedom to consider, what can I do? What should I do? When should I do it? Ah, comes a little bit of confusion. So people do not know why they exist. Well, this passage lets us know that we exist for God. Why do we exist for God? It goes on to say, and there's one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him and we exist through him. So we would not even be. Period. We would not be if it weren't for Christ. We would not exist. We have no existence apart from God. And yet we know that we're born Shaping in, uh, 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 we're born in sin and shaping in iniquity. We, we know this from Psalm 51 when David is talking to God. But we're not of those people who do not know that there's a God. Therefore, we know that we exist for him and we exist through Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20, it says this. This is Paul just reflecting on like his life. He says, I have been crucified with Christ And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because of what Jesus has done, there there, there are no more questions now in terms of why we exist. The particulars may look a little different for us because we have different gifts. We have different abilities, different talents. Right. But why what we're living for ultimately As we're living in this body, we're living by the faith in the son of God. And we live in that manner because Jesus himself purchased us with his own blood, as it says in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 28. Um, This is what it says. Also, just I think one of the things that we need as we recalibrate, this may be weaved in uh, because it may come out, even though it's not in my notes this way. We have to remember that we (laughs) there are certain American things that we need to repent of. I'm not now. notice I didn't say white things. I didn't say black things. I'm not even getting political right now. I'm just saying our culture is American. Again, we have options. We can do what we want to do. I asked my mom, mom, I remember this. Mom, what do you want me to be when I grow up? I want to be what I want you to be whatever makes you happy. Hey, man, that 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 felt good. But that's the cultural Mindset of Americans, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. (laughs) Whatever makes you happy, whatever makes me happy, that's what I'm entitled to to do. If that makes you happy and I want to do something else, you be happy with what you're doing. I'll be happy with what I'm doing. But is that the Christian way to think? If we exist for him Do we have the kind of liberty that comes to mind when we think like Americans? 
Do we? I would say we don't. We don't. But our embracing of being a servant of Christ frees us in ways that pursuing our own definition of liberty can never free us. And we have to remember that we can't even be real human beings without being connected to the God who made us. And yet that's the way we're born. But thank God that Jesus has come and made it so that Paul and we can say that we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Right. So listen to what first Corinthians uh, 6, 19 and 20 says. See, I had to prepare you for this. I know you read it before, but I had to prepare you because you're not reading it in the flow of first Corinthians. So it says, don't you know, <clears throat> this is speaking about about sexual immorality, but the principle, it goes. It, it's just something for us to just embrace paradigmatically. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whom you have from God? Somebody knows how to read because they went ahead and said, you are not your own. We don't belong to ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ because, verse 20, we were bought at a price. And what are we supposed to do? So glorify God in your body. See, my body is not my own anymore. Your body's not, if you're in Christ, your body's not your own anymore. Your job is not just your job anymore. Your education is not just your education anymore. Your, your, your bank account is not just yours anymore. It's not. None of these things are just yours to use liberally as you desire in terms of what it means to like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's the Lord's. All of that is an opportunity to glorify the Lord. Your children aren't just your children anymore. Your, your marriage is not just your marriage. Anymore. Your house, your vehicle, your fill in the blank. It's, it's not just mine anymore. It belongs to another. It's been given to me so that I can glorify him just like this body has been given to me. And Paul, listen to what Paul says in Philippians 1.21. He says, for, to, for me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. Now that's usually spoken of and mentioned in funerals. But if we could just meditate on to live is Christ. So when we think about our purpose, our purpose is to live in a manner that glorifies God, because Christ has purchased us with his own blood. Our bodies don't belong to ourselves anymore. Our life doesn't belong to ourselves anymore. All of these things belong to God because we exist for him. Right. And we exist through Jesus Christ. He made us. God created all things through Jesus. Uh, Colossians one. You can read it uh, when you when you have a chance. So we exist for him. Just thinking about that individually. So does my life is a question I should ask. Does my life reflect this glorifying of God through all of the avenues that I have at my disposal? Does it? And if it doesn't, thank God that he doesn't show us our sin to crush us. 
He crushed his son so that we could be forgiven of our sins and be cleansed from unrighteousness and walk in a manner that pleases God. No one is going to perfectly do the things I'm talking about. I already know that. I, I don't. So just so you know, I know that I don't. I'm the first person I'm preaching to. So please remember that anytime I preach. That's the first person I'm preaching to. So individually is my mindset that this, whatever this is that I possess, does not belong to me, but it belongs to God. This belongs to God. This, if you have a good mind, it belongs to God. So how are we using what God has blessed us with? All throughout scripture, God has, he has identified he has created human beings to be for him. So if you look at even the, the creation narrative and he he creates Adam and then he tells Adam, like, what his assignment is. OK, Adam doesn't fulfill all that's in his assignment because he and Eve eat from the from the tree. But even after that, as as, as God pronounces judgment on him and, 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 you know, the first seeds of Christ coming on the scene are made obvious for all. When you read about the judgment that God imposed on them, the consequences of their sin in Genesis chapter three, um, you see that God has had a plan. And, and within that plan, he's set apart a people. So he set apart the nation of Israel, <clears throat> the Israelites to serve him. And they didn't they didn't they didn't serve him as they should have. But God was gracious uh, to them. Right. I mean, he they went into exile. He would deliver them from exile. He would he would bring consequences on them, but not without hope. Even as he treated Josiah, as we've heard recently, God is going to bring consequences, but he knows how to uh, be gracious and severe at the same time. He knows how to be severe and merciful. So God is a dynamic God. He's not just one or the other. He's a lion as well as a lamb. And we need to remember that. But all throughout the, 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 the redemption narrative, you see that, that God has had a people that, that, that had the responsibility to glorify him. Then Christ comes on the scene. And remember, nobody does it perfectly, but Christ comes on the scene and then he does it perfectly. And then those who place their trust in him, he gives them the righteousness that he possesses is applied to them. So that's us. Right. That's us. So this is what it says in Ephesians chapter three. Chapter three, because we are not just individuals. So I've been wanting you to process this individually. What's my purpose? Your purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God. That's our purpose. Ephesians chapter three. Verses eight through 11 begin to help us to narrow down. To, 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 to well, actually, in one sense, to broaden out, if we're thinking about ourselves first, to broaden out. And then embrace this glorifying of God responsibility as a people. Paul is talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, his responsibility as the, as the apostle to the Gentiles. And so he talks about this in chapter 3 and in verse 8 it starts this way. It says, this grace, this grace to be the apostle to the Gentiles, this grace was given to me the least of all saints to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ 
to shed light on all for all, excuse me, about the administration of the mystery hidden for ages in God. Who created all things. So that excuse me, this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may be known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heaven, in the heavens. So if the verse, yes, if if we can, if you had to go back to verse, that's verse what? That's probably verse uh, 11. So if we can go back to verse 10 um, in what we're projecting. So why? What is happening through the church? What's supposed to be happening through the church is that the multifaceted, the, the varied, um, the, the incalculable uh, wisdom of God is supposed to be, be being made known through the church. So the church has the responsibility, has the assignment to make all of God's wisdom known. If we aren't making God's wisdom known, that's, this is why I ask, like, what, how would the world describe Christians in a word? Those words that we thought? Irrelevant, hypocritical, judgmental. Are those adjectives that will be used for God? If they're not, then we need to do some recalibration. If, 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 if even we, I don't know what came to your mind when, when I said, hey, when you think of the church, like, what do you think about? Write it down. Keep it in your mind. If, 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 if it wasn't a word that describes God, then we are falling short and we need to recalibrate. If it wasn't a word that, that shows that we're making God known, then, then we are falling short of the mark. Because Paul is saying that it's the church who makes the, the, the multifaceted wisdom of God, know, that his wisdom won't be known without the church. Sure, it'll be known in some way like, like, a, like, like a Romans 1 kind of way in which all, everything that's created says something about God. Sure, in that way, but the specifics of who God is, the specifics of what pleases him and what does not pleases him, the specifics of, 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 of all that is entailed in like knowing God, that won't be known without the church. The fact that God saves won't be known. So people could just go on in their superstitions. Well, if you do this, if you if you if you crack the mirror, then like it's seven years of bad luck. I mean, they 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 they're going with stuff like that because they don't know. Well, you know what? God is sovereign over my life. So sorry, I broke the mirror, man. I, I, if you walk under the ladder, this gonna happen. Well, man, I'm sorry, man. I didn't see the ladder, and like everybody was okay. Like God is sovereign over my life. These are things that people are not necessarily thinking of today. They're not necessarily thinking of these things, and, and these are things that we must, not, not those things in particular, but I'm, I'm trying to give you, that's an illustration of like, we need to make sure that we are making the glory of God known wherever we are. When people encounter Mike, are they just encountering a Washington football team fan? 
Are they just encountering uh, someone who's a veteran? Are they just encountering a, a father of five, grandfather of six? Praise him. I ain't had nothing to do with that, though. I just was minding my business and no, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> do they just encounter a black man? If that's all they encounter, I'm going to say that again. If that's all they encounter. Too often, that's all they encounter. Too often, that's all. But if that's all they encounter, I got some work to do. Yeah. And if you can put in the labels that apply to you, if that's all they encounter, you got work to do as well. Because we exist for him. That's why I'm here right now. That's why no one can say, you can't say, you know, that, that, that's why you can't say like um, that, you know, Corona's going to get you or you can't say that, that this is going to get you. you. You can't say that. No one else can say that. I mean, they can say it so they can use their mouth and say that. <laughs> say whatever you want to say. But you don't control that. Yeah. Right? Because I don't exist for you. You don't exist for me, but we exist for him. Therefore, our, our, what, what the main priority in our life should be to glorify him. And as mentioned just a few moments ago, what people encounter should be something about him when they encounter us. Because God is making his wisdom known specifically through the church. And we know that we are the church. Even if you're not a member of Solid Rock Church, if you are a member of the body of Christ, you are the church. See, we exist, as Pastor Kurt alluded to, as it said earlier in Ephesians, we exist to, to, so, that, so, that, so that we can bring praise to his glory. Yeah, that's why we exist. So like I, I, I'm saying, I'm, I'm just saying this, one of, the way, one of the easy ways that people can encounter more than just you, more than just me, is if I take advantage of the opportunities that are presented me to say, to say something. And I, I understand. I understand. I understand. I'm, I'll just say this. Yeah, I understand. I, I, I can hear somebody. Uh, I can't hear you literally, but I can imagine someone um, uh, saying something. So I'm going to speak to that. Um, we are looking. I am looking to help us to rescue our faith from respectability and embrace the radical nature of the faith that Jesus has given us. See, it's time out for being respectable. It's time out for being, a, oh, man, that Mike, man, he's a nice guy. So what? So what? That's, that's, that's not going to help you in any way. But what can help you, what can help me, what can help them is Jesus, right? So if I say that, man, you know what, uh, man, but well, I don't think you need to do this all the time, but, man, if it was real hot outside and I just took a swig of this water, if it was like it was last week and somebody man, say, man, you know, this is so hot out here. I mean, it may be appropriate to just say, man, I thank God for this cold water right now, man. Just like 
You know, that, that might not be your, your, what you need to do exactly like that. But I'm saying you, we have to find ways to, to pepper acknowledgement of God in all we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's, it's not enough to just be like, oh, yeah, I went to church. I mean, it can be enough, but people don't always know what it means when people go to church on Sunday. Right. I mean, if you're going now, it might mean something. Right. <laughs> it might mean a lot. You know, that might open the door for just a straight up, like truly evangelistic conversation. But what I'm getting at is that we have to find small ways that may seem insignificant, ways that may seem overboard, ways that may seem radical, ways that may seem unnecessary to give credit to God so that God's name can be made known. Because in Romans, it talks about how God's wrath is coming on those who 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 through their unrighteousness, they suppress the truth. So if we like think about that in the inverse nature. If through our righteousness, we express the truth, then we're giving glory to God. So instead of allowing people to just suppress, we need to make sure we express. That's what we need to do, because there's a lot of suppressing going on. But there's not always the right amount of expressing going on coupled with the character of what you're expressing. People might say things. They might say little things like, thank God for this and thank God for that. But they may not be living holistically in the manner in which they should. This is from uh, Lagos. Use it. Got their definition for glory because the, the, the glory of God is a big it's, it's a big topic and that's not completely what this message is about but all throughout this this month we're going to be talking about the glory we want to make sure we have God's glory in our minds let me let me back up a little bit Uh, let me back up a little bit too it's it's not it's not necessarily God's glory if we're friendly to people that's not far enough it's not necessarily God's glory if we're understanding to people that's not always far enough. It's, it's not necessarily God's glory if we're empathetic because that's not necessarily far enough. Unless, all, unless those things are, are obviously tied to the nature of God and an, an expression of who God is, then it's not necessarily God glorifying. So when I talk about glorifying God, I mean, well, the definition is going to help. The glory of God, it says, is frequently associated with his presence, especially his presence at the covenant ceremony at Mount Sinai. Often a cloud was the tangible symbol of God's presence, um, shrouding the brilliance of his glory. His uh, God's glory is so dazzling. People are permitted to experience it only indirectly. Good gracious. The next sentence is just furthermore, his glory is so effulgent that it may be imparted to objects and persons (laughs) that come in contact with his radiant presence. So just being around God, (laughs) just being around him, a little bit of it can get on you. So Moses, when he comes down, has to wear like that veil, right? 
Because they just can't take it. They can't take that glory. And it's not, he's not God. He's just been around God. Do people know you've been around God? Can people tell that I've been around God? Because if they can't, then I need to consider whether or not I've been around God. Because God's glory, it emanates. Remember, it's so powerful that we can't even directly encounter it. And even all throughout scripture, when people come into God's presence, I know I mentioned this before, but I, it's just, it's, it won't leave me. So I'm going to just keep saying it. When people come into God's presence, they need permission to stand up. Yeah. They fall down. All strength leaves them. They're afraid. They can't. What is it? Don't be afraid. And then strength from God enters you so that you can stand up. That's what it's like. Now, we haven't encountered that. So we, we, we can be lackadaisical with God. Our, our fear of God is, is something that we've theologized away. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So we, we don't we, we build on the fear of God, but we don't ever we don't ever we don't ever remove it. Right. So it's part of it's one of the ingredients. But we don't ever extract it out because then we'll think we can serve God the way we want. As Psalm 50 says, we'll think that God is altogether like us and he's not. His glory is so effulgent that it may be imparted to objects and persons that come in contact with God's radiant presence. It is assumed that God's church, that his people are in and will be in his presence. So it should be assumed that God's glory should be what comes from the church, not being hypocritical, not being judgmental. It should be obvious that the glory of God comes from the church. I'm not talking about 5401 Good Luck Road. I'm talking about from Jonathan. I'm talking about from Manny. I'm talking about from Roger. I'm talking about from, from Rachel. I'm talking about from whatever your name is if you have come in contact with God if you are one of his people then his glory should be coming from you to be in contact with you should be a way for people to be in contact with God obviously not directly I'm not saying you God never that not for me (laughs) but if we come in contact with his glory then his glory is supposed to emanate, right? It goes out. People can see it. It's different. People may not like it, though, but they'll, but they'll see it. They'll see it. They'll see it. They'll see it. See, friends, we're citizens of God's kingdom. See, that's another thing. We, 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 we live in a democracy, but, 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 but now, as those who have come to Christ, we live in a kingdom, so, so it's not a democracy anymore, right? So we don't, we don't get to vote on what we do. We don't get to vote on what Scripture says. We follow what Scripture says because we're citizens of God's kingdom now because Jesus Christ is the king. A kingdom is anything conceived as, being constitu- as constituting a realm or a sphere of independent action or control. Even this is from dictionary.com and it just says, here's another definition, the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ. Even dictionary.com, no, they need to put God and Christ up in that joint if you're talking about a kingdom. The domain over which 
the spiritual sovereignty. This is dictionary.com now. Um, this isn't uh, uh, your Baker's commentary or anything like that. This is dictionary.com. The domain over which the spiritual sovereignty of God or Christ extends, whether in heaven or on earth. Friends, we are part of the kingdom of God. And though we don't see the boundaries, I don't think we're supposed to see the boundaries because we pray. We should be praying that God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, whatever we do, whether we do it in word or deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians 317 says. And as Pastor Kurt alluded to last week, First Corinthians 1031. So whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do everything in the name of Everything for the glory of God. So hopefully we see that we exist. I know the horse is dead, but we exist to glorify God. That is why we are here. That is why we exist. So what about our product? What, why do people say we're hypocritical? I'm not even going to answer that question, but that's just like, why, why are they saying that? Why, why do they think we're judgmental? Our product doesn't, it doesn't look like what we see in Scripture. Well, it looks like some of the parts we see in Scripture. But I think the parts that we want to have emanate from us, sometimes our life doesn't look like that. Because our culture is supposed to be so distinct that it's its own culture, not American, not Russian, not black, not white, not El Salvadorian. It's supposed to be its own. Acts 11 gives us, it mentions something that's just, Slight, but it says a lot. It talks about Paul and Barnabas looking for Paul. And it says, then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And remember in chapter 10, Saul had just been converted and would go on to be called Paul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. That's where their church was. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Chapter 13 talks about, shows us the dynamic within the church at Antioch. But before we go there, notice at the end of 26, 11, 26, that it says the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So people went to Antioch. They lived in Antioch. They did whatever they do in Antioch, whatever their life looked like. And there was no way for them to describe or define uh, what these people who met as a church were. They couldn't call them American. They couldn't call them Russian. They couldn't call them uh, South Americans. They couldn't call them Chilean. They couldn't, they, they couldn't call them anything that they had ever heard of before. They couldn't call them Roman or Greek. They had to call them something different than that. They had to call them Christians because those were the ones whose whole definition in life was defined by 
this Christ that they keep talking about and that they live for. And so the product that they had was so unique. It was so out of this world that there was a new definition that needed to be a new label that needed to be applied to describe who these people were. And that was the word Christian. They did not. <laughs> they did not say, hey, this is be what I would do, man. You would know my culture is African-American. What do you want for dinner, man? Give me some catfish, some greens and some. I mean, you, you, you going to know like you going to know where I'm from. But these people were able to lay to, to, to not be defined by that. And to be defined by I live. For Christ, I exist for Christ. Therefore, you can't just call me. You're, the first thing you think of when you see, the first thing you see may be that I'm an African-American man. The first thing you experience and the thing you're going to be left with is that I follow that one Christ that everybody's talking about. That's who I follow. That's who I live for. That's who I exist for. And it wasn't just I, it plural, the disciples. So it was the disciples that were there. Their com community was so unique that they all were called Christians at Antioch. And look at the church in Antioch in 13, 1 through 3. Now, at the, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, let's, I mean, just that right there. These people, first of all, are representing a bunch of different uh, uh, countries. So you got Barnabas, who we know was, was, was a Jew as well as Paul. Also, he was still called Saul then. Manain, he, uh, he was in politics because he, was a, he, he, was a, uh, he had a cabinet post with Herod. Lucius was from Cyrene. And Simeon, who was called Niger. Now, those two, Niger, Cyrene, well, if you're looking for, like, I mean, I'm, I, I don't look for this, but for anyone who says that, that, that Christianity is a white man's gospel, it's a white man's religion, well, we got some, some black representation in the Bible, Niger, Nigeria, right? So, so, I mean, Cyrene was also in Africa as well. So, so you have this noticeable diversity within that church. I'm not saying that all churches need to be diverse. That's not, you can glorify God without being diverse. I mean, if you live in a, in a neighborhood that's not diverse, how are you going to be diverse? So, 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 okay, I'm not saying, but I'm saying this is what, this is one of the characteristics of their church. Then these people were faithfully spiritual. Verse 2, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now, Solid Rock Church is diverse. And at times, we can be faithfully spiritual, but, it, but, but, but our spirituality would be something that we would like to see when I say we, I'm speaking on behalf of Pastor Kurt as well. We would like to see ourselves move in a little bit more uh, with more sustainability and more consistency. Flashes, they can be fine at first. <laughs> Just like a baby walking. 
It's fine at first when they start pulling up on the furniture and they stand there and they move a little bit or whatever. Like, that's fine. But if that if that baby's like three years old and still only doing that, then, you know, like something's amiss. Something's wrong. Something's not right because some of our babies walk late, but three seems a bit extreme. So sorry if your baby walked at three. No harm. I'm just talking about the Dixon household right now which was a long time ago, and they all walk now, so praise God for that. <laughs> but at some point, you expect to see a level of maturity yeah. that's consistent, that's sustained, that's not just flashes, and we would like to see that. And Pastor Kurt alluded to, you know, the number of people who are on the prayer call. The prayer call could be uh, at the wrong time for you. But I love when I hear what, what other people, I heard this, I heard this, I heard that one of our, one of our D groups, because the, the, the D group leader asked, hey, you know what, just on the real, you know, how many of you have been struggling with like reading your Bibles, praying, things like that? And everybody to, a, to it was a, 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 a female D group. So every uh, woman said, uh, you know what? Yeah, me, 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 me. So the D group leader was like, hey, you know what? Why don't we just do our, our devotions together? We'll connect on Zoom and then we'll just spend 30 minutes doing our devotions. We're not going to talk to each other because we're supposed to be with God, but we'll, we'll do our devotions together. And so they, 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 they ended up doing that. And one of the members told me about it, and it was like, man, that's like, yo, that's, that's some gangster spirituality right there. I'm like, my man, that's what I'm talking about. Some radical, some radical moves like that. But then they were also radically sacrificial. So... So, so the, here's how they were radically sacrificial. The spirit tells them to release Barnabas and Saul for the work that he called them to. And then after they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them off. Imagine the apostle Paul being a member of your church, one of your teaching elders. Imagine that. And then these leaders had this crazy prayer meeting and the Lord says, you know what? Send Barnabas and Paul out to the work that I've set now, is that going to be sacrificial? Yes, indeed, that's sacrificial. Now, just so you know, we've had no such prayer meeting, and then we don't have nothing like that is happening at, at The Rock. So Pastor Kurt will be back. This is not a setup for anything. This is not like me doing anything. But, but this church was radically sacrificial. So these were dynamics and, and characteristics that they had. Now, because they're different people in all kinds of churches, we're not going to look exactly the same as they look. But we do need to consider how we look. We do need to consider whether or not our culture is distinct from the culture in which we live. Because as I mentioned and I've alluded to, we breathe our culture in. I already know, I anticipate there will be things that my great, great, Great-grandchildren, if the, if the Lord delays his coming, will look back on and say, huh, he believed that or he did that. Every age, you, you, it's very difficult to be totally separate from your age. C.S. Lewis um, is another person who attests to this. But that doesn't mean that we need to like, settle for that, though. That doesn't mean that I'm just going to be like, yeah, man, I'm just, gonna, I'm just a man of my age. No, 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 no. I'm trying to be a man of the Bible. 
I'm trying to give glory to God. And we all should be individuals who are doing that. And so my uh, my lifestyle, my values ought to look different. I remember someone was trying to sell us something. So that's already a tough job if you're trying to sell it to me. Um, uh, and, and they were like, um, you know, they, they eventually asked like a, an ultimate type questions. The question was, what's most important to you? And they were, I forgot, maybe they were trying to sell me something that had to do with water. I forgot what it was. So the person acted as though the most important, the most, now this is the, the most important thing to me. Should have been the, the, I think it was the hardness of my water. It was something where it was some ultimate question. And it's like, what's most important to you? And my definition wasn't the same as hers. And the look of disappointment that came on the woman's face, the tone in her voice actually changed because she realized, well, I'm not going to be able to sell it to you. She probably was also thinking I was just being hard, but it wasn't. It was like you asked me what was most important to me. The things you mentioned, they're not what's most important to me. Jesus Christ is what's most important to me. I didn't tell her all this. I'm just saying this is what's going on in my mind. But she literally got offended because whatever she said, it was not what I would say. <laughs> When's the last time you made somebody mad? In the context of what I'm saying. When's the last time you asked an uncomfortable question of one of your brothers and sisters when you hear something that they did? And I asked them, like, where's God in that? How was God glorified through that? When's the last time you asked yourself and reflected on your day? Was God glorified when I said this? Was God glorified when I thought that? Was God glorified when I responded this way? Because we exist for him. Our culture is to be different. When is the last time you asked someone to forgive you? Because more than likely, if you're around people, you offend someone. Maybe not as the world defines offense, but as Christ defines offense. So if I'm now, this is a real situation. If I'm with uh, my wife, I remember we were watching something and my wife asked me some kind of question. And there was a question where, you know, there's a question where like, you know, obviously we've been married for a, long, a good while now. So it's a question like, I feel you already know the answer to that question. Like, you know, like that question probably really isn't, isn't even a real question. Because like you already know the answer. So she asked me that question. And I answered the question. But the look I had on my face was just like. And then y'all laughing, but that's not, that's, it's not funny. Sometimes it can be helpful. My wife forgets a lot of stuff. Sometimes it can be helpful. 
that she forgets stuff. But when I realized, when she says, why did you look at me like that? And I'm like, because you knew it wasn't a question. I have a choice. My choice is, amen, am I just supposed to leave this right here? Because we know that ain't going to the question. Where's God in that answer? Where's God in that answer? He's not in that answer. He's not in that facial expression. So what am I supposed to do? Just let it ride out? Oh, she might forget. She's a, she's a forgiving wife, man. Good. Thank you, Lord. No, that's not what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to ask her for forgiveness. For forgiveness excuse me. And by God's grace, she forgave me. It's not enough to have, even though that's not an illustration of a good husband, but, but, um, but it's not enough to have like a good marriage. Our marriages need to glorify God. Yeah, we can deal with stuff as the culture does. Oh, I won't do that again. Uh, no, you need to know that like, the word lets me know that I'm supposed to ask you for forgiveness. I can't even really say that when I started opening my mouth that I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. No, I sort of didn't want to ask for forgiveness either. But when I asked, when I said the words, God's spirit did meet me. Before she said, okay, God's spirit met me because I humbled myself before him. Because I don't exist to be a good person. You don't exist to be a good person. We exist to glorify God. And so our product, facial expression, words, lifestyle. They're supposed to be so different that it looks like something the world, the world has to like redefine like what that looks like. Yeah. And we don't always measure up. Yeah. You just I don't always measure up. I, I told you all that from the beginning. No, I, I don't. I don't. But there's there's grace for growth. And so. I remember I told you I'm a basketball fan. Uh, if I went out there now, you see me doing the invisible basketball. I mean, that's much easier than like actually like doing some stuff because it might be, uh, you know, nowadays because I'm just older. But I remember a few years back, I was at my friend Brian's house. Brian, if you out here, man, God bless you, Brian Schrocker. I was at his house and they had a basketball court. So I'm, I'm, I'm shooting, you know, I'm shooting, doing my thing. And then he saw me miss a couple, but then he saw me like, Splash like a few, and he was like, "Oh, you're starting to calibrate." And I'm like, "Calibrate, I'm like calibrate, man, calibrate. What's the world calibrate, man? That's a oh, oh. Brian's an engineer, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> but you probably already knew that from that word, though, right? <laughs> so, so, so there's, there's, you know, I mean, there are a few definitions for calibration, but I, I, I'm, I'm, or, or calibrate. I'm just going to mention the one 
that 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 just gets right to the point for the sake of time to calibrate is to plan or devise something carefully so as to have a precise use application or appeal. So there's care given. There's planning. Excuse me. So that's strategy to make sure that this precise use that this thing has is going to meet the specifications to do what it was made to do. So the question is, um, and what we're going to try to make sure we do is we want to make sure that the, 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 the purpose for which we exist, that we are actually on point with it. That's what Calibrate does. So when I was shooting, I would imagine what I probably, probably made sure my wrist snapped at the right time. Probably made sure I was holding the ball correctly. Probably made sure I jumped at the right time if I was still jumping back then. I don't jump now. I just... Uh, just, just you know, I ain't doing all that. It puts bring shock to the knees, and I'm at that age where I need my knees. So I'm just, you know, I just get that set shot going, and it'll splash, splash um, after a little while. So that's what it was doing at Brian's house. So, so he said, you, you are beginning to calibrate. I was devising like, oh man, that's off to the. What? Okay, we need to bring it over to the right a little bit. All right, so now we we wanted to make sure we don't want it to bounce on the room. We just wanted to make that splash noise. Okay, so I need so you. Consider what you need to do to make sure it goes the way you intend it to go. So we want to make sure that the church and we as the church are doing what God has created us to do. If we're off to the left a little, we want to move to the right. If we're off to the right a little, we want to move to the left. If we're totally off track, if somebody's totally off track, you know what? God is gracious the same way that 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 God that that my wife forgave me. God has more grace for you than what she gave me. But you do have to come to him. You do have to acknowledge that you need him. You do have to acknowledge that you offended him and you do have to acknowledge that you plan to follow him because the first steps in being a Christian is to deny yourself, take up your cross and then you can follow him. Now, people normally say, pray this prayer, and I think that's a way for them to get you to exercise um, some faith. But you don't need me to lead you through a prayer. You can pray to God yourself. But God can help you, even if you're off the tracks, to get on the tracks so that you can live for what you were created to do, and that's to serve God. Now, this is the month of recalibration. This message is called Recalibrate, but all throughout Throughout this month, we're going to be talking, talking about kingdom recalibration so that we can live in a way that our actions are distinct. And so that when people talk about the Christians at Solid Rock Church, they're not talking about hypocritical people or judgmental people, um, not for the same reasons that will come to mind. Now, if they're talking about about that because um, because we speak the truth in love. That's fine. But we don't want to just be loving and we don't want to just speak the truth. We want to do both because that's what God tells us to do. Not one or the other. We don't want to do one or the other. We want to do both. So we have to calibrate. And sometimes we have to put the the, the prefix, um, the prefix that means uh, to uh, that means to do something again or to turn back or to go backwards. Re in front of calibrate. So we need to recalibrate because we don't measure up all the time. We're content sometimes with respectable faith when God calls us to radical faith. 
And we begin to recalibrate first by evaluating. And so before I begin closing, we will also talk about repenting. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, we will have to review. And then we will resolve. And then we will renew. This is so that we can be calibrated to live in a manner, to walk in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. So let's begin evaluating. Is our faith respectable or is it radical? That's the question we should ask ourselves. Is my faith respectable or is it radical? Do I compartmentalize my faith or do I prioritize my faith? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were able to engage the culture by being uh, officers within Nebuchadnezzar's, um, the King Nebuchadnezzar's cabinet. But they wouldn't bow down to the idol that was erected. And they were supposed to, you know, bend down. Submit themselves when the music played. When brought before the king, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't give excuse. They just told him, like, hey, you know, we'll, hey, you know what? We'll, you don't even need to ask us. We're not bowing down. Yeah. Remember, he got even more mad. So, again, people saying certain things may not always be a correct indicator, but why are they saying the things that they're saying? So they were saying that they were, he was mad because they would not bow down to his image. Their faith was radical. And then there's their friend Daniel. Remember Daniel also an administrator in the, in the uh, administration of Nebuchadnezzar and a couple other kings. In chapter 6, there's, these people are trying to strategize against Daniel. And they're like, you know what, we're not going to find anything that we, can, that we can bring against him unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So you know what? Why don't we say, you know what? For the next three days, nobody can pray to anybody or ask anybody anything except for you, king. The king was like, hey, man, that sounds good. Okay, we'll do that. As soon as Daniel found out, you know what Daniel did? Now, this is radical faith. Daniel got the, oh, this is what they're saying? Okay, all right, man. Let me go ahead and bring this to the Lord and pray right quick. And so Daniel with his windows open, prayed. And that's how he got thrown into the lion's den. Now, he could have shut his windows, right? He could have just said, you know what? Hey, this ordinance out, man. You know what? Let me get them blinds right quick. Be like when they, back in the day when, when the crack wars was going on. Anytime you want to look outside, you hear some uh, shots or voices or something. You just turn off all the lights and then like, look outside right quick. D Daniel could have been like that. Now, nah, he's like, oh, oh, they got this joint? All right, man, let me just go ahead. Let me, I ain't going to go to that one. Let me go to this. I'm sorry. No. Okay. So for those on live stream, 
the, the, the windows over there closed, the windows over there open. So Daniel goes to the, to, to the open windows and just prays to God. And then he gets thrown into the lion's den. That's radical faith, right? So, so Daniel's faith is respectable on some level, but it has limits in terms of its respectability. If you're coming against God, you're coming against Daniel. If you're saying don't do this and it relates to his relationship with God, sorry, Charlie, he's going to do the thing that relates to God the way he's supposed to. As it relates to our, so that's our faith. Is our faith respectable or is it radical? Our morality, is it for our benefit or for God's glory? Sometimes we can just live a life so that we just get good things, so that we're just set up to like for life to run smoothly. That's not good enough, though. Praise God for the, you know, for, for, for the, <laughs> praise God for, for the married and, and, and one, you know, two point five, whatever the average child is, you know, rate is now, um, which is not always applicable. But let's say, you know, a well-rounded family might seem like it's a husband and wife. One boy, one girl. Boy older so he can protect his sister. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, the minivan and a nice, you know, date night car. And uh, I mean, those, they, hey, cool, man. Hey. But is that necessarily what God calls us to? See, that, that's American, right? Yeah. It may not necessarily be biblical. Like I said, I have five kids. Not saying that that's biblical, but that's what God blesses us with. So I'm not going to think that. Oh, man, that's, I, I, I remember going places and people being like. <laughs> I remember glorifying God by not saying a word. Not saying a word, even though I wanted to, like, man. What you? So anyway, yeah, that was a long time ago, too. Like I said, my kid's grown, so. Um, so but even now, it still just hits, um, hits me. Um, but, the, but, but the morality, our morality cannot just be for our benefit or not just be to get good things. Our morality must be to glorify God. Again, think of Daniel. His, he could have prayed with, he could have went over there and shut them blinds. I'm still going to, hey, the Lord sees me. He sees everything, right? Yeah, the Lord sees me. But he chose to just do it out in the open, man. Not only is that radical, but that's, that's saying something about God. That's making God. And then, so, and then just think, like, like, just think about Daniel's situation for a moment. Because if it were me and I was in Daniel's situation, I'd be like, man, my, my God is awesome. I'd be going to that window with that joint open. He's going to deliver me from the... And then when they knock on the door to arrest me, I'd be like, man, Lord, you failed me. That's what I could think. That, that'd be a typical thought process nowadays, right? Man, Lord, you ain't come through for me. I'm going to get thrown in lions then? Ah, the lions, they're going to crush me, man. Probably another typical mindset right now. Something I'd be tempted, like, oh, man, Lord, I'm going to be putting in with the lions? Lord, please let it be quick, Lord. That probably would have been my, quick, my prayer. Then it'd be like, Lord, please, like, let them bite, like, the jugular or something. And just, like, just, actually, Lord, just let them bite my head off. That'd probably be quicker. Um, it, but that's not what Daniel does. Right? Nah, he goes in the lion's den. And then when the king comes, what? Daniel is not, I mean, he's just, like, chilling. 
right? And the king is happy. Oh, Daniel, such and such and such. I didn't know they was going. They was coming for you, Daniel. I didn't know they did that for you. God's glory came through because Daniel prayed, got locked up, and got thrown in there with the lions. Everybody saw God's glory because of that. Who would have seen God's glory if Daniel would have been like, hey, man, I'm about to close these blinds. Lord, you see me. I'm going to pray to you. Who would have seen it? Daniel would have known. God would have known. Who else would have known? So we need to make sure we're doing things for God's glory and leave the results up to God. And therefore, we need to not only look at our morality and and our faith, but we also need to look at our motives. Why do we do the things we do? It's similar to the morality, but 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 it's more expansive. Why do I do what I do? Am I bent on glorifying God? Because I exist for him. That is the question that we need to ask ourselves at the end of the day. And I would ask you all throughout this month just to help us marinate and marinate in, in, in recalibrating our mindset and looking at the ways in which we can in, in, in which we can pursue God in the manner that, that glorifies him and reflect his glory, um, I would ask you to ask, I would ask us, not just you, to ask ourselves that question um, as we begin to go to bed. Have I lived in a manner that glorifies God today? Were my motives bent on my way, the good life, or God's way, a God with life? Is my faith respectable or is it radical? Is this for my benefit or for God's glory? Those are things, those are pathways toward discovering what needs recalibration in our lives. And I would ask you, if you are bold enough, not that I would, you know, share your name, but I would like to be praying for you. So if you're bold enough, you can text me or email me. Anyway, I can be praying for you um, as it relates uh, to this. And I'll have folk that I'm asking to pray for me as well. So we exist because we exist for God. Our product doesn't always reflect who we exist for because we're supposed to be so radical that to know us is to come in contact with God. Obviously, as I said, just for the sake of making sure no one can like, you know, use those words against me. I'm not saying that we're God. I'm saying that we've come in contact with God and thereby some of his glory should emanate from us as well to our culture and to one another first and foremost. So in light of that, in light of the fact that we don't always measure up, we are going to be recalibrating and we're going to begin by evaluating our faith, evaluating our morality and evaluating our motives. This we will do 
by the grace of God. Would you please join me in prayer? Dear Lord, um, please begin to speak to our hearts as it relates to where we need to recalibrate. Please help us not to, help us to be ruthless in our, in our evaluation of ourselves. Uh, we, we want to do this so that we're able to humble ourselves appropriately because your word lets us know that you give more grace to the humble. And so we don't want to act as though we should demand anything from you. But Lord, we do want to do business with you and we do want to be shown where we stand. And Lord, we want to be lifted from where we stand to where you would have us to stand. So, Lord, I pray that you would please be with us and that you would help us. And I thank you that your word lets us know that if you are for us, who can be against us? And you're for us. If we had no other indicator, which we have many, we do have the entrance of Jesus Christ and not only his entrance into the world, but by your spirit, you're calling us by name to yourself. And so we thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory in Jesus name. We pray and we thank you. Amen. 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 So I think I have my, uh, my pad on, my iPad on. And... I don't see any questions, so I'm going to not belabor that. Um, I will say, please, um, I don't know if everybody here has the uh, Church Center app, um, which would allow you to register for one of the books, book studies, if you're interested in that. And also, I think on the Planning Center as well, we have, um, we have Connect cards, if you haven't connected already. Um, and then uh, that'll allow us to be able to be in contact with you. So, man, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and release ourselves. God bless you. God bless you, too, on, on live stream. Uh, have a wonderful first week of August, and uh, we'll see you next week.